0: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From
1: WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Ilya Merritts, in for Charlie Herman. This week, we'll talk about how a law passed 20 years ago shaped the internet we all know today.
2: Airbnb could exercise due diligence and not allow those ads to appear on its website.
1: That's New York State Assemblymember Linda Rosenthal. She wrote a bill that penalizes people not for renting their homes, which is illegal in many cases, but for even listing their homes online. She says there's no other way to hold a company like Airbnb accountable.
2: It hides behind the Communications Decency Act that says, we're protected, we have no responsibility in this matter.
1: Did you catch the name of that law? The Communications Decency Act of 1996? Turns out this law, passed before there was Airbnb, eBay, Uber, Etsy, or Yelp, did a lot to make those companies' business models possible. With me now are Tony Rahm, senior technology reporter for Politico, and Olivier Sylvain, associate professor of law at Fordham University. He joins us via Skype. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me.
0: I appreciate the invitation.
1: Tony, how come New York legislators can't just... Go to Airbnb and say, look, you're allowing thousands and thousands of people to use your website to list apartments that are not legal in New York. We know it. You know it. Knock it
2: off. Airbnb doesn't want to be the cop on the beat here. They don't want to go out and start policing their users to have to pour through these search results to see what is and what isn't legal. And a lot of that has to do with the Communications Decency Act. You know, under this law, companies have been essentially spared liability for what their users are doing, for the bad things that they might post, the things that they might do wrong. And – From the perspective of Airbnb, not just in New York and in New York City, they don't want to be responsible for this across the country. And other tech companies don't want to have to bear the same burden when regulators come knocking and want them to police what their users are doing online. And so now we have this bill that is headed for Governor Cuomo's desk. He hasn't
1: signed it into law. Has anything like this been tried before where because lawmakers cannot target the platform itself, they instead target the people
2: who use the platform? We've had instances of both happening. With respect to the users right now, we're seeing plenty of fights between Airbnb and cities and states across the country. There's a fight in San Francisco where Airbnb is suing. Uh, It just recently won a battle in Chicago. There was a fight in Hawaii. New York is a little bit different, as you said, where they're looking to go after hosts. But even in that case, Airbnb has said that the legislation as proposed is too vague and still might result in some negative impacts on the company. They're still threatening to sue. They put out a letter just a few weeks ago saying that they would sue if this thing gets signed. So we're just at the beginning of what could be a pretty vicious battle here.
1: Olivia, you're our law professor here. What was going on in the country back in 1996 that made Congress see a need for the Communications Decency Act?
0: Well, it was a heady time. And the argument that legislators put forward, that congressmen and congresswomen put forward, was that the statute would protect innovation for this new platform, this new medium, and there was talk, for example, of attacking platforms that encouraged the circulation of obscenity. And while those things occurred, the idea was that in order to encourage innovation and investment in platforms that encouraged communication and expression that included obscenity, um, there had to be an immunity. Historically, in the common law, there was a distinction between distributors of content and Publishers are, you know, editors of content. And the statute basically immunizes publishers to the extent that they're merely passive conduits and online content developers.
1: And so could we have had a Facebook,
0: a Twitter, a Tinder without this law? But for immunity, uh, neutral platforms that encourage third-party content um, would not be able to do what they do. So imagine YouTube, right, having to attend to all the defamatory obscenity-laden videos would have to police that stuff. The Communications Decency Act is meant to encourage self-regulation uh, for the purposes of free expression and innovation.
1: So let's talk about what might be one of the strongest cases for changing the law here. And that comes from New York Times columnist Nick Kristof. He's been writing for years about Backpage.com. Uh, it's a website that's been blamed for providing a forum for sex trafficking. Really unpleasant stuff. But like any other website, they have the protection of the Communications Decency Act. So, Tony,
2: what of courts had to say about that? Is is just all of this kind of speech protected? You know, Backpage.com has generated a lot of attention on Capitol Hill, and I think reasonable minds would disagree over the application of the law there. But I think it's important to remember that any attempt to update the Communications Decency Act has generally gone nowhere on Capitol Hill. You know, I just moved to New York after 10 years in D.C., and getting anything done in Congress has been quite a bit of a haul, but when it comes to updating the country's communications and technology laws, even on areas that seem like consensus, it's just been a complete uphill battle. And I guess that's the masterful thing that Airbnb has done in these battles. It's found a rallying point for the rest of the tech industry. That's why you have companies like Facebook and Google through their main trade organization called the Internet Association filing briefs in courts in their defense, sending out letters, spending millions of dollars in advertisements. It's because the precedent it would set that is beyond that of just home sharing
0: um, I do want to offer though that the courts are no longer enthralled with the internet in the way they were in the late 1990s um, in fact there's a there are a couple cases involving housing discrimination with regards to Craigslist on the one hand and roommates.com on the other a federal court in Chicago decided that the way in which Craigslist runs its business, where it's kind of a broker that brings users together, is not violating fair housing laws because it doesn't do anything to encourage violation. Whereas Roommates.com, in its design, had a drop-down menu that required people to give information about their gender uh, or their family size, and these sorts of things raised questions about whether Roommates.com violated the law to the extent they were encouraging the publication of information that is barred by the Fair Housing Act. You know, the court in the Ninth Circuit in California was quite mindful of what this meant, and it eventually decided that it was violative of the Fair Housing Act, and the CDA did not protect to the extent that Roommates.com was encouraging the publishing of information that is barred by the fair housing act this is just the latest example
2: of washington and silicon valley colliding in many cases the laws that are applying here are decades old there isn't a whole lot of expertise on capitol hill to address them and in some cases like with airbnb it's become a defense mechanism because of the vagaries in the law and that local folks have no other way to regulate spaces like home sharing that sort of becomes then the battleground
1: Olivier Sylvain is an associate professor of law at Fordham University, and Tony Rahm is senior technology reporter for Politico. Thank you both. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And I'm Ilya Meritz. This is Money Talking from WNYC.